On this show, we will discuss elements of the story, which may also include some spoilers. So this is your official spoiler alert. It's okay if you haven't read the book, but if you're looking to avoid having it spoiled, go back, read the book, and then come on back and listen to our conversation. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Not Your Average Book Report, a podcast about children's books where we believe in never losing the childlike joy of reading. My name is Sam, and I'm a Hufflepuff who's kind of ashamed of it. And I'm joined by my sister-in-law and co-host Sarah, who's a former high school English teacher with two kids. Sarah, you are also a... Gryffindor! (laughs) It's getting better every time. (laughs) This is the third time we've recorded this intro. She's done that every time. Every time. And I will continue on. Therefore, if you've ever watched the first Harry Potter mm-hmm. movie, you know that was a great reenactment of how the oh, sorting for sure. hat. I think they got. So I don't think you need to explain. I think I they immediately think so. were if like, they "Oh yeah, it, that's the sorting hat." Be gone. <laughs> like the audiobook version, they're going to call you to voice the, sor- the sorting. I would love hat. that. I would love it. Oh man, that'd be awesome. Could I be the sorting hat? You know what we we could do? We could audition a little bit. <gasps> yes. You just auditioned as the sorting hat. I'll audition. I could do Hagrid. Hagrid, that's you're a wizard, Harry. How was that? That was actually excellent. He kind of talks like a pirate. Not like that. Nope. Nope. Gruffer. That was too piratey. Okay, Jack Sparrow. Thank you. Hagrid and Jack Sparrow. Thank well, you. That was our audition for the audiobooks that Audible. the phone calls Call will us. not be <laughs> Audible, yeah. <laughs> well, if it wasn't obvious already, we are doing Harry Potter, the entire series. And That's this right. is our first episode. Of our summer of, of Potter. Potter. Summer of fun, summer of Potter. Seriously, so fun. Oh, and I'm just glad it's summer. It's the best. Anyways, this is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or for those of you living across the pond in the UK, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Once again, just defending people. <laughs> you are, you, and they have all shut off their <laughs> yeah, podcast. They've turned it off. <laughs> Anyways, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, written by... Joanne Kathleen Rowling and published on June 26, 1997. Mm. Sarah, did you know that the K standed for Kathleen? I did not actually. You did stump me. Mm. I had Thank to look you. around for it. It's not her actual middle name. I don't think she has one. She's just Joanne she just Rowling one? or Joe. The publisher added the K because they thought the target audience for the book, Young Boys, wouldn't be drawn to a book written by a female. Interesting. And that is on her website. So she's kind of calling them out. Really? Yep. Good for her. Yeah. And Good then the tradition her. of like C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Right. Tolkien, something about That's interesting. initials. Which what would your, if you were a writer, what would your, you'd be, are you Sarah Beth Scott? I would just be Sarah Scott. You wouldn't be S.P. Scott? Mm-hmm. Ooh, S.P. Scott. S.P. Cool. Scott. That sounds like a mystery writer. A detective, S.P. Yeah. Scott. S.W. No, Scott probably just be, sounds like a poser. I'd probably just be Sarah Scott okay. and let people deal with it. Okay, that's <laughs> Buy <fair>. my books. <laughs> Buy my books. <laughs> I don't have any written, but. Well, don't go to the publisher she went to to publish hers because they'll make you change it. Well, it was 1994. 97. Seven. No. Mm. But she probably went before 1997 to get it published. Well, that's true. <laughs> she got rejected a lot, which a I almost lot. put in the notes here, but that's like every book series right. talks about how the first people rejected it. Yeah. Just because I feel like it's just kind of like throwing shade at these idiots. Yeah, seriously. Did you know what you missed? <laughs> mm. Billions of dollars. I would guess missed. that whoever rejected her to this day is like, wow. Oh, yeah. I'm the worst. Or they got fired and aren't in publishing anymore. I right? hope they got fired. My goodness. Um, did you also know, you probably heard this story, that she came up with the idea sitting on a delayed train from Manchester to King's Cross Station in London in 1990. I did know that. She said, a scrawny little black-haired bespeckled boy became more and more of a wizard to me. 
I began to write Philosopher's Stone that very evening. And over the next five years, she outlined the entire series before she wrote, finished one book. Wow. Yeah. I've always liked knowing that she outlined the whole series hmm. that she knew from beginning to end. Because if you're a Friends fan, I always was curious, did they know from the beginning that Monica and Chandler were going to get together? And I don't know Hmm. if I have an answer, if they ever answered that, but if you watch them in the first three seasons, sometimes it's like, are they going to get together? Who knows? Do you see clues? And so I do like, there's just things like she knew was going to happen from the beginning. Well, it's interesting from like a writer's perspective because writers tend to fall... It's not really two camps, but it's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of colloquial way they say it is plotters and pantsers. Yeah. So plotters write out the entire outline. They have everything planned before. Okay. Whereas pantsers sit down and go. That's funny. Yeah. I wasn't aware of this. Stephen King wrote a book called On Writing where he is a diehard pantser. Okay. He says plot is a jackhammer that ruins stories. Interesting. It's how it becomes preachy. Okay. So he says you just have to sit down and go. And just write. Yeah. And see what comes from it. Mm-hmm. And there's different advantages to both. Like, pantsers are called discovery writers because mm-hmm. they're discovering it as they go. The characters will feel more human because they don't know what's yeah. going on. Whereas a plotter's kind of like, okay, here's what I really want to say. So the character right. has to do this in this moment. And everybody kind of falls in one of two camps. Uh, George R.R. R. Martin, who I haven't read mm, his books, but he described them as architects versus gardeners. Oh, like an architect yep. plans the whole story yeah. out and a gardener kind of grows it. Yeah. So Rowling was a architect, which she actually, we should share this on our social media. She, she tweeted one of her like tables oh. for the books. It was Harry Potter and the, uh, I want to say it was... Half-Blood Prince. I'd be very interested in that. Mm-hmm. And she has like the plot line at the top of the grid the chapters and when things need to happen. Interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting very to see interesting. her process. Did you also know, she wrote most of the book in Edinburgh, Scotland, Edinburgh. Edinburgh. While teaching in the city's schools. And did you know that while she was writing this book, her mother passed away. I didn't know that. And she channeled much of the grief into mm. Harry. I didn't know that. Which is something we'll bring up later because I really think the sense of loss that kind of pervades mm-hmm. this is what, because that's the thing with Harry Potter. This first book, it's fun. Yeah. Like it, there's so many books like it, well, yep. especially now, like after Harry Potter, because everybody's trying to be Harry Potter. Yes. At face value, there's not much that would seemingly distinguish mm-hmm. it from all the others to make it the monolithic book that it is. But I wonder if this layer she's added to it, the realness here of her mom passing away, maybe not specifically her mom passing away, but just the way she can channel her heart into right. it. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm wondering, because that's maybe the question I'm kind of curious about is like, why did this, why is this so set apart right. from every other fiction series yeah. ever written? Yeah, that is a good question. When was the first time you read it? Well, I was actually thinking about that while I was reading it. My, honestly, my first memory of Harry Potter that stands out to me was going to see this in the theaters. Mm-hmm. I know I read it beforehand because otherwise, why would I ask my mom to take me? But I remember the ending so clearly in the theaters and being mm. like scared. The part with Professor Quirrell? Mm-hmm, mm. Where his, the back of his head yeah, is. I remember that. Um, but I would guess, so in 1997, I was eight. I guess I started reading them when I was 10. Okay. Yeah. I would think that's probably when my mom said, okay. Okay. Mm. Did you, 
did it grab you immediately? We're like, oh, yes, this is yeah. something else. Yes, I'm trying to. Do we know when it was published in the U.S.? Was the publishing date in the U.K. different than the U.S.? Ninety-eight. It was a year after. Okay, or? that's kind of what I thought too. September nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, so that would make sense. I was ninety nine. I was ten. So probably sometime around ninety nine, yeah. two thousand. I started reading them. So you're about the same age as Harry. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am from the best generation of readers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who we? I mean, no shade to everybody else, but we got to grow up with Harry. Oh, okay. For a while there, we were almost the same age as him. Every time a book was published, wow. and that was just. I got to grow as the books grew. And as Harry Potter fans know, every book gets darker. Yeah. And so when I was 15, 14 or 15, whenever um, book four came out, it Mm -hmm. wasn't like I was a nine-year-old trying to deal with it. I was almost a high schooler. I think I read them when I was in second grade, Mm -hmm. like when they came out, but I didn't get any of it. Yeah. Like I have vague, vague memories of it. I think I got through the second book. Um. I didn't really read them, read them until I was in college. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Totally different I, experience. A hundred percent. I, um, for some reason, like my junior year of college got super into reading. Okay. I don't remember exactly why, but I was like, this is something I want to do huh. a lot. And this was the first series I read. I had a little chair in my room. I lived with five other dudes in well, this house, but my room was like my. Yeah. Safe my zone. sanctuary yeah. and I had a chair dedicated to reading and a little That's end table funny. I stole from my mom's house. And I remember I read them from like the fall through Christmas. So I had this Christmas tree mm-hmm. scented candle <laughs> that will <laughs> always make me think of the Gryffindor mm. common room. <laughs> yeah. Because it was always burning when I would sit there and read. And this was the first time I read Harry Potter. So I sat okay. and read a lot. Cause yeah. they, they are one of the most not put downable Yes. Books. Yeah. Period. Like, there are some, like when, you know, like when you, you're reading, you get kind of your fill and you're like, I'm going right. to sit this down for a little bit. Three hours later, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back. <laughs> Harry Potter for me is one where I just don't put it down. I'm mm. like, let me just read this for as long as possible. And then I keep thinking about it when I'm not reading it. Mm. That's the kind of, if a book is really good to me, it's all I can think about and it distracts me. What was your longest Harry Potter reading session you sat down started to read i read the last book in eight hours straight i mean i went to the bathroom but i remember it clearly i graduated high school (laughs) and we went and we got it at midnight as we did back then Mm -hmm. midnight book drops yeah we went i came home and i think i slept for a few hours because it was midnight and then got up and i sat on the couch the entire day and read the book you remember the couch, the spot you were sitting yes, in? Yes, very clearly. Wow. Very clearly. It was mm. a big moment in my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you said it like you grew up with him and the I, year you yeah. graduated was the last book. Yeah. So were there some like some intermingling of emotions? Of, oh, like, for Graduating sure. high school, Harry ending? For sure. For sure. Talk me through that experience. Um, I want to well, dig in here. Deathly Hallows, when that came out, I graduated high school and I want to say that it came out in June or July. Give me the exact... Yes. July 21st, 2007. I such a freak. It was released on July 21st, it 2007. It was released on July 21st, 2007. And I remember finishing that book, knowing in three weeks I was moving to college mm. and suddenly not feeling like a kid anymore. Really? I I mean, I very I don't have a lot of very like 
clear, distinct memories of random mm. things like, but that moment, I will always remember it. I remember sitting on the couch in my parents' living room and ending it and being like, oh, this is it. This is it. What was that feeling? Um, Sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it was a lot of bittersweet. Yeah. There's a lot to come. But then it was just like, oh, I never get to watch another Harry Potter. I mean, read another Harry Potter book or mm-hmm. get another book at midnight. And I mean, the b- movies were still coming out. So that had some excitement. But yeah. those books, I'm a, I'm a book lover, always mm-hmm. have been. And that one had followed me through growing wow. up. And it was over. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like we had a conversation on The Giver a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. talking about when childhood ended. And yeah. then that was like a key moment for you of like. Super key. Mm. Yeah, it was just how it all kind of played out. I mean, the timing of my life for Harry Potter to end. That's an amazing connection to have to some books. Well, and I've read the series, I want to say all the way through at least five times. Mm -hmm. For a few years, I read it every Christmas season, (laughs) like December to January-ish. Yeah. I would read it It's a great time to read it. It is. It's a great time to read them. And I think sometimes like hoping to get that feeling back. Yes. And sometimes I do, because mm-hmm. when I sit down and read this, it's op- it's like a familiar friend, like mm-hmm. a conversation with someone who I don't see that much. But when I sit yeah. next to them, I'm like, oh, I know you, you know, and Harry Potter is that. This is a book that I wish I could go back and read it for the first time. Right. Again. It's the one that immediately comes to mind. Yeah. When people are like, oh, what was, what's something you go back? This one. Yeah. hundred percent. I would this think, series. I think that too. Honestly, sometimes I wish that I remember reading the first book mm-hmm. more because I remember the later books because I was older. But when yeah. I think about the first book, I'm like, when was that? Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of being a kid, Harry Potter is a not so ordinary kid. He's an orphan who lives with his mean aunt and uncle, the Dursleys and their spoiled bullying son, Dudley debtors. <laughs> he doesn't have any friends and his life is fairly miserable, but strange things happen to him. Like making glass disappear at a zoo or talking to a snake. He learns that he actually is a wizard. You're a wizard, Harry. And is invited to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft. Ugh, witchcraft. witchcraft. Even the word I can't say because it's sinful. He learns that he is a wizard and invited to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry where he learns who he really is. One of the most famous wizards in the world because as a baby, he somehow defeated the dreadful dark wizard Voldemort who murdered his parents. So reading The Sorcerer's Stone for the whatever umpteenth time yeah. for you. What really stuck out to you this time through? Just how funny yes. some of the parts in this book are. I, um, as I was reading it, um, and it's at the beginning when Harry, when they're going to the zoo for Dudley's birthday and mm-hmm. they find out Miss Fig can't watch Harry. Miss Fig. And Harry's <laughs> describing her and he's yeah. like, and she like to show him pictures of all the cats she's ever owned. I don't right. know why that was so funny, but yeah. I just found myself like giggling out loud, which is something that happens regularly with Harry Potter Yeah, is I giggle out loud. Yeah. That was... I just I forgot how funny this one right? was. I think it's one of the appeals of this book is a lot of the humor is in the world building. Mm-hmm. It's these little random asides when she's talking about the wizarding world. Yes. And there's these little jokes that have no role in the plot whatsoever. Well, and when you see um, the muggle world in the, mm-hmm. especially in this one, because most of the students are 
first years. But mm-hmm. in the Quidditch match, when there is, I, I think it's Dean starts yelling, red guard, red guard. Yeah. And uh, Miss <laughs> and Professor McGonagall's like, what's a red guard? What's a red guard? <laughs> the fact that Dean Thomas is a big West Ham yes. fan is talking about yes. football and they're all really confused yes. because there's no flying. And then Ron, <laughs> one of the parts that Ron was prodding the poster to try and get the people in it to move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh man, they're just things like that. Yeah. The overlap. That's so funny. And it's, and even in the descriptions of the characters, like the first time we really hear about we've met Dumbledore before but mm-hmm. the first time we hear about him is on the uh, chocolate card yes. the chocolate frog card and this is how he's described Albus Dumbledore currently met I want to do this in a British accent I don't know why you got it you got it. Albus Dumbledore currently headmaster of Hogwarts considered by many the greatest wizard of modern times Professor Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945, for the discovery of the twelve uses of dragon's blood, and his work on alchemy with his partner Nicholas Flamel. Professor Dumbledore also enjoys chamber music and ten-pin bowling. <laughs> it's that little details yes. at the end that I just think are so funny. And they almost need to be read in a British accent, because yes. you can hear them as this quippy... Well, it's like at the beginning know. of the podcast when I read... Um, when I said Gryffindor, Gryffindor, like there's just a tone of voice that needs to be used really in is. regards to some of these. It's cheeky. It is cheeky. Yeah. So Sam, what's your favorite part, actual scene of the first book? Can I say a character? Yes. I love Neville Longbottom. <gasps> My favorite scene has to do with Neville. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Did you know Neville and I have the same birthday? I didn't know that. Which one's his birthday? July 30th. Oh, wait. Because remember, it, it becomes birthday. a plot. Same as my dad's birthday. There's this plot thing later in the stories where it's yes. a wizard born at the end of July. Yes. And it's kind of, is it Neville or is it Harry? Yes. And I kind of always thought like, hey, Harry has my birthday. He's the cool kid. Yeah. Like, he's the coolest character. No, Harry's in the 31st. Yes. Neville's the 30th. Yes, that's right. No, my favorite. Again, Harry Potter makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It makes you all do all the things. And my favorite scene in this book is at the end when Dumbledore awards the house points and he awards them to Neville mm. and he says so it's when Dumbledore is giving out house points at the end and he says there are all kinds of courage said Dumbledore smiling it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies but just as much to stand up to our friends I therefore award 10 points to Mr. Neville Longbottom Neville. and then it describes Neville, white with shock, disappeared under a pile of people hugging him. And I don't know if that moment would, like when the first time I read this book, if I would have left, if I loved it as much as I do now, but mm-hmm. I have all the knowledge of later too to go back on this. And yeah. it's just like, we all have either been that kid or know that kid who things just don't go right for him. Yeah. And he's always doing something wrong. And then to hear, hey, you did this right. Like, yeah. Just kill me. Just, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Neville's one of those characters, and Harry Potter's full of them, where their entire journey across the seven books is one that keeps you thinking about mm-hmm. it. Snape is another one. Where like like as good as like as much as I enjoy Harry, he's not my favorite character yeah. in the entire series. Me either. What's up, everybody? Sam here with a few quick announcements and some shout-outs. Let's get into the shout-outs. This shout-out goes to user Voxman, who left us a review saying, I love nostalgia, and revisiting some of my favorite children's books as an adult has been such a blast. I just love that. Thank you for saying that. That makes us so happy. We feel the same. 
Our next shout out is going to the entire island of Jeju Island in South Korea. Kansamnida to all of our friends out there in South Korea. Thank you for listening. We love that our podcast is being listened to even out there in Jeju Island. I've also heard it's beautiful and want to give a special shout out to Gerso and Emmy Fernandez who live out there on Jeju. Go Jeju United, our favorite South Korean soccer team. To all of you who entered our contest, thank you for entering. That was so fun. We had some amazing responses to the question, who was your favorite teacher and why? And yes, we will be announcing the winner at the end of this show, but I wanted to read some of the responses here. Landon said, my mom used to be the librarian at the private Christian elementary school I went to. She would read the classes all these books. My mother was one of the most amazing teachers I had growing up in life. God knew I would need a superhero mom like her to raise a son like me. And he tagged his mom, Gail, in that post. That is awesome. And his mom replied, Oh, thanks, son, for the kind words. Reading is the magic key to take you where you want to be. Love that. Emily Ann tagged her mom, Lee Ann, and said, Because she's the best. Nat said, I had many I really liked. I'll go with Mr. Jolly, 12th grade English, because he made class different in a good way and showed me that classrooms can be alive and vibrant instead of just taking notes all the time. Nat also wanted to include a shout out to Mrs. Parker in fourth grade and his Western Civ teacher in college. Hannah said, I can't decide between Miss Dunn, second grade, and Mrs. Tracy, sixth. Kindest teachers ever. Patrick said, my seventh grade English teacher, Miss Smith introduced me to poetry and encouraged us to write our own poetry. Sarah said, my 11th and 12th grade English teacher, Mrs. Roy, made me the writer and reader I am today. Laura said, I was homeschooled, so my mom. I love that. She was actually a really good teacher, and I am so glad that was my education. So shout out to all the homeschoolers out there. Laura's mom holding it down. Emily said, Mrs. Kitchens, my third grade teacher. And I put in my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Garrison. She made me feel liked and in fourth grade, that was such a gift. So thank you, everyone who entered. Once again, we will be announcing that at the end of this show. And you can give us a follow on Instagram if you haven't so far. It is NYA Book Report. No caps, no spaces on Instagram. Give us a follow. A lot of fun stuff going on there. We'll do more contests in the future because that was just too much fun. That's all for me. Now, back to the show. So what for you this time reading through what feels like the theme that really stuck out to you hmm. that's a good question let me think about that for a second do you have an answer for that because i'll yeah. ask you okay. yeah i think for me it was there's this sense of i love how jk rowling is not afraid maybe that's not the right way to say it because there's a lot of authors who aren't afraid to treat dark things in their mm-hmm. stories but it's the way she handles it yes um, like the mirror of Arised scene in particular is where this thing takes a turn towards you really start to understand what's going on inside mm-hmm. Harry. And knowing that her mother passed away yeah, while she was writing this, you can kind of see that in like, and throughout the whole book, you, he just feels so honest. Yeah. Um, so that's really what stuck out to me was just this loss and grief. Yeah. And as you say that, I think we've talked about this a bit in other books, but that tension of grief and happiness Mm -hmm. all happening at the same time that you can be both Mm -hmm. because Harry, I mean, if you think about all that he lost as a kid, Mm -hmm. as a baby, it's overwhelming. But then all that he gained at Hogwarts too, and 
the book is filled with moments, such great moments of joy where mm-hmm. Harry's finding his place, he's finding his belonging, but he's also Quidditch matches. Yes, he's uh, well, the moment when he rides the broomstick for the first time, like so much joy, but then also there are uh, so many moments of sadness, of yeah. grief, of disappointment, of anger, of frustration, but they're yeah. all woven together just like when we live our normal lives. Like yeah. they all are woven together. It's interesting you talk about that because I think it's talking about happiness here mm-hmm. where the mirror of Erised and Dumbledore says, let me explain. The happiest man on earth would be able to use the mirror of Erised like a normal mirror. That is, he would look into it and see himself exactly as he is. Harry thought, then he said slowly, it shows us what we want, whatever we want. Yes and no, said Dumbledore quietly. It shows us nothing more or less than the deepest, most desperate desire of our hearts. And on the next page, we get probably the first time in the series a a Dumbledoreism. Mm -hmm. He says, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember that. Mm -hmm. I think for me, this book, it's just, it's a fun introduction. Mm -hmm. But I also love how she's able to take, I mean, clearly it's the first book in the series, you can't go too off. Like you got to have a lot of fun. Yes. One of the things that I really like about this book, and I didn't realize it until I was reading it this time is that the moment with Voldemort and when Harry and Ron and Hermione are going to find Mm -hmm. Quirrell, um, it's a very, it's very few pages. Right. It happens and it's, it's dark and you think about those moments, but it doesn't take up a quarter of the book. I think it's the whole adventure itself is maybe like 15 pages, right? something like that. And so that is one thing. We were talking you, about like the Philosopher's Stone and tracking that down. Right, right. And that was, I thought of that because you're talking about how this needs to be fun to bring people in, yeah. but it couldn't just be a book about fun and magic for it to have purpose. I mean, it could have, but for it to connect to anything else. But I liked the fact that as an introduction book made for a 10 year old, Mm. it has the darkness, but it's not so overwhelming that you're like, what? It's how like a 10 year old probably would experience it. Right. Right. And I think that's what I love about the series, but specifically Mm -hmm. this book and this time around through is this book is so 10 year old. Yes, it is. It (laughs) is. She is able to capture Harry as a 10 year old. Yes. I think that's why you talk about it connected with you growing up so much. You can probably speak to this. Was it Harry grows mm-hmm. and she's able to capture kind of what it was like to be 10. Right. What His was like maturity. to be 11, 12, 13. And especially down the line when mm-hmm. things start to get really dark, we talk about childhood ending and yeah. what happens when we face evils like right. that. It it makes us grow up. Well, and even the way that Dumbledore talks to him mm-hmm. in this book afterwards, he says, there are some things you don't need to know right now. Yeah. And as a parent of small kids, that's something I think about is what's the appropriate level of things they need to know. Um, And one thing I like is that as Harry gets older, Dumbledore gives him a little bit more information. Mm. But there are times where we feel Harry's frustration, too, Yeah, where he's like, no, I'm 12. It's our first Dumbledore debrief, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I don't know if it happens in every single book, but there's always this moment after... The climax of the story mm-hmm. where Dumbledore brings context to it and like taking it face value, you'd probably say it's like bad writing of like, yeah. I'm just going to explain everything right. that happened, but it works yeah. so Every well. Every time. Because in the moment, like the story ends in this one too, we don't know what happens. Mm-hmm. Like Harry is, does what an 11 year old would probably do is he just like passes out. Right. And wakes up in 
Abed has no clue how he was saved. Yeah. How the bad guy was defeated. And he says to Dumbledore, Sir, there are some things I'd like to know if you can tell me. Things I want to know the truth about. The truth, Dumbledore sighed. It is a beautiful and terrible thing and therefore should be treated with great caution. However, I shall answer your questions unless I have a very good reason not to, in which case I'll beg you forgive me. I shall not, of course, lie. Well, Voldemort said, that he only killed my mother because she tried to stop him killing me, but why would he want to kill me in the first place? Dumbledore sighed very deeply this time. Alas, the first thing you ask me I cannot tell you. Not today, not now. You will know one day. Put it from your mind for now, Harry. When you are older, I know you hate to hear this. When you are ready, you will know. Mm-hmm. And then after is when we get that conversation of, but why couldn't Quirrell touch me? Your mother died to save you. If there is one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize that love as powerful as your mother's for you leaves its own mark. Not a scar, no visible sign. To have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. It is your, in your very skin. Quirrell, full of hatred, greed, and ambition, sharing his soul with Voldemort, could not touch you for this reason. It was agony to touch a person marked by something so good. Like, to me, that's what sets Harry Potter yeah. apart. Is that the magic ends up taking something from our world and in a way, like, helping us understand it Absolutely. deeply. In a way, he's saying that sacrificial love in its own way is its own magic. Yeah. And I love how she's able. And honestly, there's times it's just lazy writing. Right. Of like, I'm, I'm going to take this, like, just change the rules of the yeah. magic in this world to make this work. But it totally works. Yeah. She does Because it's those moments she's speaking back into our world. And you're yes. like, oh, and now, I mean, for me, just just now, like, understanding, like, oh, yeah, like, she's writing about her mom. And mm. when she says the line of, like, even though the person who loved us is gone, it will give us some protection forever. Yeah. She wrote that about her mom. Yeah. I was super fascinated by the way that... Voldemort describes his view of the world because mm-hmm. um, this is something that's going to come up over and over again. Lord Voldemort showed me how wrong I was. There is no good and evil. There is only power and those too weak to seek it. That was probably one of the things that resonated with me the most because it makes sense of Harry. Harry mm-hmm. who has, he's a powerful wizard. I mean, Quidditch right. just comes naturally. He's right. from a wizarding family. He has all this money. He has all his fame and it does nothing to him. Right. He was born with something, right? the love of his parents, and that's his most powerful magic. Absolutely. What about you? What was kind of the thing that this time through, what was your favorite part? You know, I just thought of the line that may probably is my favorite. It's when Harry and Hermione and Ron become friends. It's after mm. they attack the troll. So the moment is, but from that moment on, Hermione Granger became their friend. There are some things you can't share without ending up liking each other. And knocking out a 12-foot mountain troll is one of them. I don't know. I just love that part for all that it sets up um, in their friendship in later. And we didn't really talk about their friendship that much. But, yeah, but let's, um, let's finish there because that's probably... But that's something, the friendship between Ron, Harry, and Hermione is yeah. so important in Harry's life. Mm-hmm. And through these books that that moment... Um, because a lot of their friendship is built around trouble, getting out of trouble, and how that affects them. That's a great place to end because that love and sacrifice mm-hmm. and power and evil, those come up at the end. Right. But friendship is through all, all throughout this book. Yeah. Like the beginning, Harry doesn't have it. And it's not like he just shows up on the Hogwarts Express and Ron right. and Hermione are best friends. But like part of the journey is how they become, how they become friends. friends. What resonates with you about that? Why, why is this such a good friendship? That's a good question. I just feel like because of how their friendship started mm-hmm. um, was so 
dramatic, funny, and scary for them, it kind of set them up that they trust each other. Yeah. And they're going to continue to trust each other. And you see that through a lot developed more. through a lot more. And just in this book, it's just like Harry's always wanted friends. And now he has these friends who are like in it with him. Yeah. And that's something sweet. Yeah. Friends who are family. Yeah. In a way. And like this is almost a Framely. story about how friends become family. Absolutely. And it's through hard things. Exactly. Through dark things. It's not just about like fun adventures. Yep. Well, we have to pick a contest winner. I think like a month ago, we started this contest. We so we're going to give away the first five books. So we had a lot of entries, a lot of people honoring their teachers. We love to hear that. Mm-hmm. So we are just going to pick a random name. The random name picker. Our winner is Emily K. Emily K. Yay, Emily K. We're so happy for Emily, you. You're going to win the first five books in our series. We'll reach out to you to get all the details for that. Other than that, Sarah, I think our next book, what is it? I don't know what, which one are we doing? Oh, what's your I'm joking. It's Harry okay, Potter I was and the like, Chamber of Secrets. The, what's the title? Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> to a podcast, to an AirPod, to a speaker right. near you. Pumped, pumped, pumped. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Sarah, this was fun. This was fun. And Thanks. it's just going to get more fun. Oh, absolutely. All right. Happy Harry Potter summer, people. Happy Potter summer. Enjoy reading by the pool. That's right. 